welcome to the Bodybuilding Dietitians Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today for what is now episode 31 of our Road to 2023 series. And as always, you are joined by your hosts, Tierra and Jack. Now we've got a three-week recap for you today. Last time we recorded was the very beginning of May, and now it is Saturday, the 21st of May, 2022. So Jack, we've got a few things to fill the listeners in on. So let's get to it. How have your past three weeks been? Yeah, they've been really good. I think it's been probably one of the most productive phases of the improvement season where I, it's interesting because there suddenly becomes a point in your physique, in my opinion, and also in your training as well, where you can kind of reflect on the last period of time and be like, wow, I've noticed some serious improvement now and I've almost like leveled up. And you can sort of, I can see that being reflected in my physique and I can see that being reflected in uh, my training as well. And that makes me feel good because I put a lot of work in and it's nice to see that reflected and finally lifting some numbers in the gym, which I mean, I've never been weak per se, but I've never been amazingly strong either. Like I'm not, I've never been strong to the extent people say, oh wow, like that's that's super impressive and... Well, it depends on who you're talking to. <laughs> yeah. Well, I feel like I'm getting closer to that now in the gym, which has mm. always been my kind of goal in the gym. And I think also, like, ultimately, there's many people who might disagree with this, but bodybuilding is a performance sport in mm. my eyes. Like, the way you get your physique on stage, unless you are very, very incredibly genetically gifted, is by getting as strong as possible in the gym mm. while completing a certain amount of volume as well. Yeah, there's no doubt about that because mm. you can bet your bottom dollar if you look at someone's physique and they just have these enormous delts or this just incredible chest or humongous quads, you bet they can lift some decent weight when it comes to using those muscle groups. Mm. For more than one rep. Yes, for more than one rep. <laughs> yeah, well, that's... Yeah, that's been the, the, I guess, the theme of these last three weeks, just uh, continuing to do my best in the gym. And I posted a, a recent update on Instagram, just like showing a few of the lifts that I'm most proud of at the moment. And like the RDL, of course, is up there, like almost at that 200 kilo mark, um, which I'll probably be shooting for this coming week for six reps. And also like the hack, I've, the hack's been interesting because it's it's only recently back in my program after doing safety bar squats for uh, a few months. And yeah, I, I was discussing with AJ, who's my coach about the hack squat, um, AJ Morris for anyone who hasn't been listening for that long, but I was discussing with him about the hack squat and just saying like, okay, like if it was a barbell squat, I would know that, okay, like four four plates aside on, on a, on a barbell back squat for six to eight reps is something that I know is is quite impressive for me. And it's something that I would really like to aim for this improvement season before it finishes. But the hack squat's a little bit different because it's not a one-to-one ratio with a barbell. So like I kind of asked AJ, like what, what do you think I should be aiming for in this? Because I don't wanna put like a preconceived notion in my head that like three or three and a half or four plates aside on the hack is equivalent to, let's say like my RDL of 200 kilos. Mm. So, Or similar to how four plates aside on a hack wouldn't be equivalent to lifting four plates per side on a barbell squat. Mm. Yeah, definitely. 
And yeah, that's kind of what I asked him. And, and he, he said that on the pre-core hack that I use, like six to seven plates a side is, is something I should be aiming for, which is, yeah, it's a huge amount more than what I'm lifting at the moment. And that that's good for me because like it kind of made a switch flick and it made me think, okay, if AJ thinks that's possible, like AJ doesn't blow smoke, he, then I should be a little bit closer to that than what mm. I am at the moment. So because hacks had been feeling really good, like I was doing, I did four plates with an extra five on um, and I did that for eight reps quite comfortably. Um, like I was, I really wanted to test my limits this past week on the hack. So I literally added 20 kilos on, which was like a kind of a ridiculous jump. <laughs> Just send it. <laughs> and yeah, that was the goal. Like I was aiming for, uh, like six to eight and I got six. Um, yeah, pretty confident. I was at zero reps in reserve for that set, but it also goes to show that I was obviously leaving mm. probably too many in the tank. Um, on those previous weeks so mm. now i've got like that approximate reference point for my next block and i'm now at almost five plates aside which is a big jump and like realistically it would have taken me weeks and weeks to get up to almost five plates if i hadn't just been very assertive mm. so yeah the other news with training like some my pressing still going well which is great i'm definitely at the point with pressing where and I say this all the time to my clients, like you don't have to progress every, if you're at a certain strength, you're not gonna progress every single week on your pressing. Mm. If you do, fantastic, especially if you are getting close to failure every single session and you're still progressing, that's amazing. But often what I'll find now, especially on my upper day or push day is I might get like a, a rep progression or even a two rep progression on that first initial exercise. And then I probably won't progress as much in the subsequent ones. Mm. There's always that give and take, isn't there, right? Mm. Like if you get a PB on the first few, then obviously that additional fatigue carries on over. But overall, the session compared to prior, you still did progress. Yeah, for sure. Like the, the total volume is greater. And like also progression isn't always about reps or weight. Like if you are able to do an improved range of motion or improved execution, maybe slow down the eccentric slightly, obviously within reason. Like if your technique is already good, then making, trying to find ways to make the, the set even harder mm. is kind of just a waste of energy. In my opinion, I think you should just be aiming for, for mm. reps or load progression. But like definitely for me, some of my pressing, I think it's more the eccentric, like sometimes I can slow it down a bit more. Mm. Um, so that's what I try and do. And sometimes you might even get the same reps. And this is an interesting, like sometimes I will get the same reps, but the final rep is zero reps in reserve. But the zero rep, the final rep is still faster than the previous week, which was still zero reps in reserve. Yeah. I'm not sure if you ever get the same thing. No, I know exactly what you mean. Like you can push it up, but it wasn't quite as much of a grind as mm. before. But that's what makes pressing PBs feel so goddamn good because they don't come around all that often when you are at a certain point. So you might have matched performance for two or three weeks on end. And then finally you hit that week where you get that one extra rep on a shoulder press, it feels so freaking good. But mm. it's realistic too, because imagine if you were always going up in reps every single session and you're always going up in weight, you know, every few sessions, boy, you'd be just shoulder pressing like astronomical weight, which just once again, isn't very realistic. <laughs> mm. Yeah, speaking of shoulder press, uh, 
the the dumbbell press has actually been moving up quite nicely and i think part of that is because i changed the seat we got these new they got these new seats in at Belgium Brisbane and they the incline is slightly lower than the previous ones mm. so it's now just more of like a a very high incline press rather than a shoulder press which i kind of like anyway because i think my chest needs um some more emphasis rather than my shoulders anyway but yeah that's uh like the 50 kilo dumbbells each hand is is definitely still daunting but it's within reach whereas before i i started off at like 27 and a half each hand how many years ago was that that was even the start of this off season 27 and a half yeah. and now what you're lifting like the 44s right mm. damn what the heck well that's just like that was the first session doing it when yeah. outside of prep like very soon after finishing prep where mm. my stability was really bad and i hadn't done a dumbbell movement for pressing in mm. in like over a year so that's fair but yeah. that's almost similar to your dumbbell bent over row as well that's what probably over doubled in weight mm, yeah I, I think i started at maybe 25 each hand for that and now i'm at 55 so yeah damn <laughs> yeah yeah well it's just so awesome that you are just in such a groove right now with your training and of course we know it's not a case of like overnight success you didn't just wake up like this it's all it's all been compounding to this point but do you feel as though it's mainly just physical or do you think, like you said, you had that conversation with AJ and you had like a mental switch or just a combination of both? I honestly think it's mainly physical, which has evolved into the mental side of things as well, because I think body weight definitely plays a role. And me above 90 kilos is quite a favorable body weight for performance. Mm. Like we hear it all the time, or at least me and you do that. Like there's a certain body weight for everyone that is going to achieve the best performance in the gym, whether they like how they look at that body weight or not. Mm. And that's why you don't see, for example, like a lot of powerlifters, they don't walk around shredded, do mm. they? What's the saying go? It says weight moves weight. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Particularly for pressing, I would say. And that's what I found above 90 kilos for me is that it's a really good spot for me to uh, get stronger. And I feel confident in the gym. I don't feel like my stability or bracing is an issue. And yeah, like that's something that I'm a little bit trepidatious about is uh, when we get back from Bali, which will be very early June, like I'll be going into a mini cut and I'm, I'll be interested to see how training goes when I probably take off about, I would say at least five kilos in that mini cut. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so maybe coming down to, I'm about 91 at the moment, so coming down to about 86, like how training will go. Mm. I think it's still going to go quite well, to be honest, because I've, in the past year, I've really dialed in the training side of things. So I don't think body that, especially since I'll still be relatively heavy. Uh, I think training will still be in a good mm. spot. Yeah, happy to hear you say that because I'd encourage you, don't psych yourself out. Well, I know that if I didn't say it, you would say it anyway. So. <laughs> but either way, like me even just coming off the back end of a dieting phase too, I think you really are going to experience quite a number of weeks there where you probably feel even better just cardiovascularly, just your recovering heart rate, just things will just continue to move really well. And I think you might really surprise yourself. Like you'll probably continue to get quite a few PBs and stuff on your hacks and they, you won't quite feel as 
gassed and like your eyes are just completely bloodshot at the end mm. of those reps. <laughs> Not sure if the bloodshot eyes is related to your fitness zone or body weight. <laughs> well, yeah, it'd definitely be related obviously to your blood pressure. Like mm. when you when you hop off a leg press, they say leg press is actually one of the number one exercises that increases blood pressure the most out of any other exercise, mm. which kind of makes sense because like, you know, the weight's literally coming down on you and you're almost being like compressed. Yeah, when you think about it, like, and most people lift the the most for leg press as well. Mm, yeah, <laughs> that's why. As well, when you're pushing up that final rep, right, and you see someone just go, go, like, push, their face just like goes almost from like a shade of light pink to like bright red in an mm. instant when they're really pushing for it. <laughs> yeah, I think. I wonder if it it probably does involve the bracing as well. Like some mm. people, I think, who get tension headaches, they brace like through their neck and their head Mm. and then that probably isn't a no that wouldn't be a good thing (laughs) no but i i just know when i film myself in the gym it's just always so amusing to me watching my final rep on a leg press like and just the color in my face i just make myself laugh Mm. (laughs) i love the facials too (laughs) but that's great to hear that you're obviously in just such a freaking groove with body composition and your training but how's your appetite been as a result (laughs) Yeah, I mean, appetite is okay. It's not as bad as it was about a month ago. And I've just, one thing I think I mentioned last podcast is changed my most voluminous meal with all my vegetables. I've changed that to post-training, which has been good because I can eat it quite easily now. And although it takes a bit longer to make um, and kind of prolongs the day a bit, it's well worth it. And then I can eat some some lower volume meals mm. uh, for the rest of the day. But yeah, it's appetite is still at the point where I can eat quite well. Like I think if my body fat was higher, like it would be more difficult, but mm. fortunately I'm maintaining a somewhat, I'm no, by no means lean, but I'm still got like mm. the trademarks of, of not having pushed it mm-hmm. too sloppily. But I guess since we last checked in at that point, you were using the blender for one of your four meals, Mm. but now that has increased to two. (laughs) So 50% of your meals are blended up and sculled. Mm. Yeah, not quite sculled, but they are certainly blended up. And yeah, more out of just convenience because I now just view food, unfortunately, I think as just a means to an end Mm. of something I have to do kind of like um, I don't know, brushing your teeth. Mm. So it's just easier for me to like, I even blend up the, as you would know, the Milo cereal yeah, in the morning. That's what makes me laugh. Cause you used to sit down to a nice bowl of cereal with like berries and dark chocolate and stuff. And now it's all just, you know, yeah. yeah. But I think in one thing in my favor with having, with blending the food is that it's actually more nutritious for me than eating it. Because if I had to eat, especially that, third meal which mm-hmm. is like a, hu- a very big meal if i had to eat it then i would have to like flavor it with something relatively sweet mm. in order to actually be able to eat it quite easily well what is your third meal right now it's a, a smoothie with i'll actually get it up right now because it has a lot of things in that smoothie <laughs> we are as we speak signing into the jack bradford smith fitness pal <laughs> yeah so it has all in the smoothie. So yogurt, sultanas, chia seeds, nut butter, this natural sort of muesli thing, which is good because it has like oats and 
uh, some knots in it as well, uh, a scoop of masquina and some flour and some fruit as well. So what are the macros and the calories on that thing? Uh, the calories is about 1400 and the carbs is 224, the fats is 20 and the protein 67. What the actual heck? <laughs> 1400, you're just sculling that. That's literally what some people eat in an entire day during like a prep. <laughs> yeah. Jack's just like down the hatch. <laughs> mm. And I know that as soon as I start dieting, like I will get hungry again mm. and I will probably, no, hopefully I don't complain about being hungry, but mm. yeah, I'm not trying to complain about the appetite either because I'm not, not struggling, but that I'm not struggling because I'm doing the liquid meals. Yeah. Yeah. If I had to eat that, that would be a bit of a struggle for me. Yeah, absolutely. Hey guys, just a reminder that we offer coaching services, which you can find on our website by searching the Bodybuilding Dietitians on Google or via the show notes below. We coach anyone with a health and fitness related goal. But no, it's, it's going to be really good for you. Obviously, you're, you're at this point right now where you're drinking 50% of your diet. But straight when we get back from Bali, you going into a dieting phase, it's, it's really going to be a breeze because you're like, oh, well, now I can actually eat the food, right? Yeah. Initially, I'm actually going to try and experiment keeping like nutrition the same oh. and try and keep volume quite low as it is. Like obviously I'll revert back to solid meals, but I'll try and keep the composition of the meals the same mm. because before that used to be a smoothie. Like I I didn't add flour in it because flour is good for a smoothie. Just <laughs> I used to just make a microwave protein cake. Yeah. Um and that's why the flour's in there. I actually did look this up recently and apparently you aren't meant to eat flour when it's not cooked because apparently like it hasn't been the equivalent of being pasteurized like eggs or egg whites pasteurized Mm. and there might be some bacteria in the flour but i mean so far i haven't had any issues i think you have though an immune system and a gut microbiome made of steel though so Mm. probably the flowers you're you're probably safe it's probably just helping me it's keeping my immune system nice and high exactly right (laughs) but yeah that's pretty much everything from me I'm going to try and obviously we're going to Bali next week on Saturday for a week, which will be nice. It'll our last trip overseas together was Thailand in uh, 2019. Yeah. So we've had this trip booked since late 2019, but it's just continued to be postponed just obviously due to international travel, not being allowed. Like the day that we actually arrived, the 28th of May is what they said the day that that resort actually reopens. Mm. So yeah, we'll be first in. So yeah, I, I'm not sure if that's good or bad though, because well, I don't want imagine the doors opening and like thousands of people I rushing in. <laughs> straight to the buffet. No, I uh, I think that it should be nice because mm. obviously like everyone's just going to be all the staff members will just be so happy to be back at work. Everything's going to be super duper clean. Like mm, yeah, that's true actually. I think it, it'll be mm. a really good time. I'm going to Club Med Bali, and I can't flip and wait. I just hope that they, unlike the Airbnb we stayed at recently, they have a bed that's big enough for two bodybuilders. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm sure it's going to be fantastic. Club Med's just amazing, man. Like, it's just, it's all inclusive, just absolutely everything. Like, the activities, there's just this incredible all-day buffet that's like cuisine from all over the world, which will be amazing. There's a freaking trapeze on the resort, and... 
yeah, I, I can't wait to go paddle boarding and oh, just lay on the beach in the sun and just have my brain just go bleh for like a whole week. Because yeah, since February 2019, obviously we finished our last semester of dietetics and then went straight into work. And you and I basically, we kind of work every single day when you run your own business, like things never really turn off. Like, yeah, you go to bed at night, but like, there's always something to do. There's always someone to speak to, always things to reply to. Mm. Especially so, when you're an influencer like yourself. Oh yeah. <laughs> I hope I have a positive influence. Uh, no, but I'm, I am just really excited for us to take I remember a last break. holiday, last Club Med holiday we went on, you actually did a whole episode afterwards about the holiday. We did. What was that episode number four? What happened in Thailand? Yeah. <laughs> yep. Jack got a happy ending and I uh, I slept in this weird Singapore snooze lounge and this dude was snoring next to me. So I bumped a cart into him and told him to stop snoring. <laughs> I took one for the team. You know what I mean? Mm, it was very loud. It was vibrating the couch I was Legit, on. Legit. It was just inconsiderate. So I just politely, you know, woke him up and said, excuse me, the rest of us are all trying to sleep here. It was like 3 a.m. in Singapore airport. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, time to do it all again come Saturday. So that, that should be super fun. Yeah, but enough about my few weeks. I think uh, one thing that I didn't mention was heading down to Sydney this mm. past weekend for ICN Nationals. Yeah, so we went down for the final show of the season, which was super exciting. We just had one client competing down there, Kate Archibald. And I'm sure everyone knows the results by now because this, this was a week ago. But yeah, Kate really brought it home and she won the open figure lineup and she won her pro card and she actually entered into the pro show as well for her pro debut and she won the pro show as well. So Kate is now a ICN figure pro, which is just absolutely incredible. So proud of her. She really brought just an incredible package to that show. Just a great combination of conditioning, muscularity, stage presence, posing, the whole package. You know what I mean? And it made me really happy to see her up on that stage. And she really had to fight for it, you know, because it was definitely a much more competitive lineup at nationals, as you would expect. It's the mm. best athletes from all over the country congregated together, you know, really gunning for that one pro card. And the women that she was standing up against had minimum one to two extra decades of training on top of her, okay? Like Kate's only been training a year and a half. Those girls have probably been training minimum 10 to 20 years, right? And like the muscle maturity and everything like that. So for Kate to hold her own and uh, really bring it home, very, very impressive, which has made me super proud of her. And what a freaking way to end just what, what an epic season. Yeah, it's, uh, I'm really glad I came down to Sydney, even though I had no one there myself, but it was great to support Kate and uh, also witness the, the first TBD pro athlete to yeah, turn ICN pro. Yeah, absolutely amazing. And uh, yeah, we're now going into a long improvement season where she can just get as jacked as possible. The coolest thing is, is that obviously she's in the figure category, right? So she doesn't have to hold back. Mm. So she can just train the house down. She's going to be doing quite a few powerlifting comps, might even do like a strong woman comp. And we don't have plans to compete again until season B 2024. So a good amount of time to get absolutely jacked 
and then come back in 2024 and we've got big goals for that season you know uh hopefully uh, a lot more a lot more shows on the cards and we'll be chasing down a few more natty pro cards perhaps even an enhanced pro card and hopefully some international travel thrown in there as well awesome yeah cool. should be should be good so yeah big congratulations kate and what about yourself all right. Well, an update on me. So we've had last update was three weeks ago. So since then, I guess as of now, I wrapped up my dieting phase. Seems like eons ago now. It was like six weeks ago. I've been reversing since then. And during these past three weeks, I had a consult with Joey Cantlin, which was really awesome. Just to run through game plans, we took some skin folds and just talked about everything moving forward. Went over my program with him as well. And in terms of skin folds, last time I took skin folds around this body weight was late 2020, and I was 63.6 kilograms at that point. And across nine sites, I was 69 millimeters. And then now I'm hanging around the mid 64s. I think on that day though, I did weigh in at 64 kilograms, and I was 63 mils on across those nine sites. So down by about six mils, in skin folds, but obviously a heavier body weight about a year and a half later, which yeah, success, right? <laughs> a little bit more muscular and a little bit less fat. <laughs> mm. Yeah. It's all about consistency. Add an extra 10 years now to that. Yeah. Boy, oh boy. No, but things are definitely looking good. And, um, had, I, I had an opportunity to just have a really good chat with Joey about, you know, plans moving forward because I have said it time and time again on this podcast, but like I am so determined to have just a really freaking good starting point for my next prep. I don't want to be in a position where I have to lose over 10 kilograms during my prep. I want to be able to retain as much muscle mass as possible and just bring the absolute best physique I possibly can next year come season B. And we had this discussion about how this past improvement season, uh, I did push my weight up to 70 kilograms and yeah, I was holding a decent body composition. Obviously my strength was awesome, but dieting now down to 64, like I was able to maintain basically my performance across the board. And if anything, keep actually improving in a lot of my lifts. The only thing that took a hit was my RDLs. Like uh, I reckon if gaining an extra three kilograms of body fat, like if I push from like 67 up to 70 kilograms. Yes, my RDL is a little bit stronger, probably just because I'm holding a little bit more fat around my uh, around my midsection, which probably just helps me brace. But to me, like having an extra 10 kilograms or so on the barbell for an RDL just isn't worth having an extra three kilograms of fat on mm. my body. Well, it's also a very technical movement as mm. well. And it's probably one that you could continue to refine as well. Oh, I, t I totally agree. I totally agree. But we just kind of um, made it clear that I don't think it's necessary for me to push back up to that body weight, back mm. up to 70 kilograms. So between now and the end of this improvement season, like I want to push up max to 68 kilograms. So that has me gaining on average around half a kilogram per month. So pretty slow and steady. So hitting max 68 kilograms. And then that's by around the end of this year, maybe January, 2023, then going through a very brief dieting phase to get back down to around 65 kilograms, holding steady there during like a pre-prep phase and then starting prep at that 25 week out mark. And 
25 weeks out from the first show of season B next year, which will likely be our icy and tropics show, will be around late March. So it's only like 10 months away, Jack, really, until we'll be starting prep, which is quite wild. So about another 10 months. But yeah, starting my prep around that 65 kilogram mark and then uh, getting down to a similar stage weight to what I was last time around that 57 kilograms. So probably about eight kilograms to lose during the prep itself, just to come in as absolutely conditioned as I possibly can with more muscle mass. So mm. that's kind of the rough game plan, which I'm really happy with. And it's, it's good to have that uh, kind of all drafted out now. Yeah, I think we both have a similar trajectory in terms of like our next gaining phase and mini cut after that as well. Mm. And I think we're both aiming to have the best starting point for prep that we've ever had. Yeah. And making sure that we don't have to lose an excessive amount. Absolutely. Because there's no denying it just takes a toll on you. Mm. Right. And I know from past experiences and past preps, like my best look is really when I hit the mark slightly early and then I can start obviously just reversing my calories and I just feel so much better. My quality of sleep is way better. My performance in the gym is way better. And just as a result of feeling better, my physique looks so much better. Mm. Yeah, I think same goes for me as well. And not having to, it's interesting because it's almost like you and AJ have slightly different opinions. Like he always references my past um, stage conditioning as like true stage conditioning Mm. whereas you think i could have been a little bit leaner Mm. and i think there's a combination of both where i got as lean as i could with my level of muscularity Mm. at that point so if i kept pushing more i don't think i would have looked that much leaner Mm. on stage and i think you could see that by my glutes like my glutes were a fairly muscular area and they were very very lean Mm. but then again yeah there's lots of things to consider but i I don't want to sacrifice tissue because ultimately I am a bodybuilder Mm. and yeah, I'd rather look like a bodybuilder Mm. on stage this time rather than because I, my opinion, which you also disagree Mm. somewhat with as well is I think I lost a decent amount of tissue last time I competed, but uh, that's the goal at, at all costs. We want to prevent that Mm. this time. Well, I guess when I say that next time you'll be even more conditioned, it's because you will be even more muscular. And the exact same goes for me. And I was having this conversation with Joey and the way that he phrased it was really interesting. And it's something I've never heard before, but it makes a hell of a lot of sense. He was kind of describing the difference between being lean and being conditioned. Like anyone can get lean, you know, lean just means that you have a low level of body fat. Mm. So, you know, an ICM bikini competitor, you could call her lean, but If you're conditioned, it means that it's a combination of you're lean, you have a low level of body fat, but you also have a high level of muscularity as well. Mm. So there's just that difference between being lean and then being conditioned. So that's what separates people. But as we know, it's all with time. So every single time we compete as the years go on, we will always be able to become more conditioned, even if we are a similar level of leanness. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Yes. It's <laughs> a good analogy. Yeah. But, you know, because a lot of people use lean and conditioned, and we've probably even done it in the past too, like synonymously, but they do probably have slightly different definitions. Mm. Yes. Well, at least according to a, a bodybuilding coach. Yes. 
That's right. Yeah, well, anything else to mention from you? Mm, not too much else, to be honest. I'm just feeling really good right now. So yeah, body composition-wise, still sitting in that 64-kilogram territory. And ever since I've been inching up my calories over these past six weeks, like the lowest I had to get to in my dieting phase to lose that six kilograms was just sub 1600 calories and now i'm sitting at around 2100 which is good and body weight yeah it's slowly creeping up which is good like weekly averages have gone like 64.4 64.1 64.4 64.3 64.6 and then this week 64.8 so yeah still sitting like within a few hundred gram bandwidth which is good but it is slowly creeping up on average which is just in line with the goal and you know like my macros right now so sitting on about 285 carb 40 grams of fat and 150 grams of protein and yeah my appetite's in a very good spot in the sense that I could definitely eat more food (laughs) but I just don't because I have goals and I'm just very committed to sticking to this slow but progressive rate of gain to just keep my body weight in a really good position so that yeah, I don't have to um, diet off more than needed. Mm. Well, we get questions all the time from people going on holiday. Mm-hmm. What What are your plans about your holiday, especially since like there'll be buffet food for three times a day? Uh, I guess in short, I'm going to enjoy myself and I probably will be eating slightly more than 2,100 calories per day. <laughs> but no, I'm, I'm definitely not going to go crazy in any sense, but... I am certainly going to not restrict myself. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So more so just trying to eat to satiation, but also not being like, oh no, I can't try that. Right. Because Mm -hmm. I'm definitely a foodie at heart. Again, this is our first holiday in three and a half years. And I just feel like I've been on every single flipping day. Like it's so funny because I've, I've all my clients on my fitness pal because during our check-ins, I'll look through their, my fitness pal to make sure, you know, their diets are in check and, uh, they're always liking my status. And I didn't even realize until I'm getting these little notifications. It's like, Ashley liked your status of you've been tracking your macros or you've logged in for 1,200 days or something. And I'm like, I didn't even realize it's been that many days. <laughs> I actually lost my, I think mine was at 800 and I lost it in Sydney. No, no. Oh man. Well, you'll, you'll have to build it back up. Mm. Have you ever reached the 1,000 mark? I'm not sure, but mm. it looks like you might lose yours in Bali. Yeah, or maybe I'll just have to sneakily log in, you know, just like log something, just a- estimate something that I ate at the buffet. Who knows? But no, honestly, I'm I'm not too concerned. I know that I'm not going to blow out in any sense. Plus, we are going to be so freaking active on the holiday as well. Once really? again, I'll but, be lying on the beach. <laughs> I'm going to be on the trapeze <laughs> and paddleboarding and surfing and snorkeling and yeah, doing yoga on the beach, like <laughs> you can chill. But um, no, I'm I'm super, super excited to just finally have a holiday. Yeah, it, it should be awesome. But no, just everything's going really well right now. And man, my training's just so freaking good. I, I'm like, the, to be honest, training was reaching a point quite a number of weeks ago where I had to call myself out a little bit because When I go to the gym, you know, I see it as though I'm going to work. I've got a job to do and I want to do it well, but 
I was not being super present and very mindful and fully just 100% into my training. And I honestly just was letting myself get distracted between sets by letting myself slip and just like going on Instagram that little bit too much. And so what I had to do is I'm like this, I need to put an end to this because I could be training way more productively in the gym. So I do have two phones. So what I've now done is I have one phone that I just listen to my music on. And then I also track my training on like my program on that phone too. And then my second phone, which is my phone that I use for everything and it has a better camera, I'm like, okay, I'm only allowed to use this phone to just film, but not do anything else, not go on Instagram during my training sessions, right? And then later during the day, that's when I will allocate some time to then go onto the app and like upload things to my story. But it's just been a freaking game changer for me because I'm like, I'm here with the purpose to train and now I'm I'm actually just training. Like I, I don't I don't need to be going to the gym to go on Instagram. Like, yeah, losing the point. And uh yeah, it's actually made training so much more enjoyable. So I'm I'm loving my training right now. Actually being disciplined to not go on social media between my sets has been a uh, just I would almost say life-changing for me in that sense. And I know it's honestly going to reflect in my results too and just my love for actually being in the gym too and just being fully, fully present. And yeah, performance-wise, ever since my calories have been inching up, that's why I love so much. It's that it's that post-diet when you've got more carbs in your system, like you just get that surge of strength back, which is just excellent. And one thing in particular is these past few weeks, I've started to program myself some AMRAP dips. So I do dips on two days of the week on a Tuesday and a Saturday, and I do three sets of AMRAP. And I must have only started this like four or five weeks ago, but when I first did it, I was getting like set to three, you know, which kind of makes sense in the sense that like I was just getting used to the new movement pattern, getting more confident with actually going to a full depth with a dip and then being like, yes, I can push myself back up, but there's no doubt that I've continued to develop a lot more strength in my triceps and my chest and my shoulders. But today I got three sets of 10, which like weeks ago, I was like, my goal is to get up to three sets of 10 eventually, and then I can add a weight belt. But today I just really surprised myself and I got three sets of 10 because my previous session at the beginning of the week, I got one set of nine and two sets of eight. So Jack, it's just like, the progress is just like shooting up with that movement, but there's nothing quite like a body weight movement like that. It's similar to like a chin up or if anyone does Nordics or if you're at that point where you're still trying to get to like do body weight pushups and stuff, or even some people are still at the point where they're trying to do body weight Bulgarians and squats, but being able to do body weight dips, it just feels so empowering. Yeah. It's a movement I wish I could do myself, mm. Mm, but it, it causes me some shoulder issues. So I'm glad that you're able to do it. Yeah, it, it feels amazing. And the, the goal is to obviously get strong as hell in them, but also like just majorly develop my triceps and my delts so that next year when I'm on stage, I can do the best booty pops possible and just have that beautiful separation between like a capped delt and a tricep when you put your arm down when you're actually transitioning. So yeah, that's, that's what I'm kind of envisioning every time I'm like, one more rep. <laughs> that's awesome, yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> no, but um, every everything's just really good right now. Honestly, I feel like I feel very happy in life. I feel very just content and peaceful. I feel accomplished. And yet I'm just really glad that we had such a successful season A for the team and just really looking forward to season B. Like first season B show for my girls who are competing in the ACT is only 15 weeks away. So season B is going to be here before we know it. I've got nine girls competing across different states in Australia in both ICN, WBFF, and IFBB. So season B is going to be really something to look forward to for our team. And luckily for us, there like a lot of the shows are all here in Queensland, back to back, actually at the Sleeman Center. So it is very local. Like October is going to be like all these back-to-back shows, but it's only a 20-minute drive at the exact same center that we're so familiar with. So yeah, October is going to be absolutely wild, but um, super duper fun. Yeah, I can't wait. It's Each season I think is going to get bigger and bigger, especially uh, now that everyone's back into normal training after uh, COVID and with international travel opening back up. Mm. Yeah, because I think I see a nationals wasn't huge. I think it was bigger than our season, but I remember I think our first season competing in 2018 was enormous. It was, oh, it was enormous. Even mm. and that was just like a rookie show. Yeah, so I think it's only going to get bigger and bigger. Mm. But it's great that obviously they're bringing back like the world championships, and those are actually going ahead. Like Korea is next week, right? And then ICN India. You said there's one in the Czech Republic. Mm. I guess we're we're holding out for season B 2023 to see where the ICN Worlds will be for that season as well. And also hopefully planning to compete with like INBA, WNBF. That should be absolutely wicked to see where those are held in the US and uh, hopefully plan a, plan a good trip so we can even travel to maybe some other states. Yes, fingers crossed that the show dates aren't eight weeks apart. Mm -hmm. Yes, and how cool would that be if they just held one of the shows in Texas, you know? And then everyone could just do their pump-ups at Alpha Elite Gym. (laughs) Mm, Alpha Land Gym. Wait, no, it is Alpha Elite. No, it's Alpha Elite, but it's Alpha Land Gym. Uh, okay. No, but before Christian built Alpha Land, all of the other gyms were called Alpha Elite Gym, right? I think so. Yeah, they weren't. I'm not as big of a fanboy as I used to be, so okay. It might even still be called Alpha Elite Gym, but I don't think so. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure it's Alpha Land Gym. Yeah. Which, yeah, I'm looking forward to visiting. Hopefully, yes. one day. Yeah, we can go get a pump. We can compete at a show, and then we can also go get some like famous Texan barbecue ribs. Mm. That would be nice. <laughs> and meet dude as well. Yes, exactly. But <laughs> oh, what what's um what's the other dog's name? Uh, Nala. Yeah, Nala. Yeah, I I'm think... surprised you knew who Dude was. Well, yeah, Dude is Max's dog, but yeah. I'm I'm more of a fan of Nala because she reminds me more of Sam. Mm. Mm. Anyway, let's end this episode on something that we did learn this past week. Yeah, so I'm actually going to do a follow up from what we learned last week because we were talking about the uh, the hamsters and the elephants getting a bit crunk at a party or at least trying to and we were talking about why do elephants have such big ears and we were stumped we're like hmm is it so that they can hear well when we were in sydney on the weekend there was like there was a zoo like nine minutes away from us and 
uh, we actually decided to, for one of the afternoons, to just actually go to the zoo because it was like, oh, we need to go for a walk in the afternoon. We could either walk through some park in the western Sydney suburbs or how about we go to a zoo and walk around? And so we went to the zoo and there were these elephants there and the, one of the zookeepers was giving a talk on the elephants and I, I chirped up and said, excuse me, <laughs> why do elephants have such big ears? Because, you know, doing one for the people need to give the TBD listeners an answer. And he actually made that joke. He's like, oh, well, it's so that they can hear. But no, that turns out it's not the case. They actually have really big ears because it actually acts as like a cooling system for them and circulation. So what they can actually do is redirect a lot of their blood to their ears to actually cool themselves down because, you know, elephants coming from Africa and Asian countries, very, very hot, you know, so they can cool themselves down, which is really neat, but also to swat things away, like swat away flies and stuff like that. So... That's in part why elephants have such big ears. That's what I learned this week. Wow. We could have just Googled that, but we had to travel all the way to Sydney. <laughs> I also learned that sea lions, right? Like, let's say that a sea lion is attacked by a shark and a shark bites off one of its flippers. A sea lion is actually in control of its circulation as well. And it can actually shut off blood flow to where that flipper would have been so that it doesn't bleed out. How flipping cool is that? Yeah, your dad probably would know that stuff. Yeah, he probably would. Anyway, (laughs) my dad's a marine biologist. But anyway, Jack, what did you learn this week? Yeah, so I learned that it's my first time traveling Jetstar on a longer trip. I think Brisbane to Bali, six hours. And I assumed that the the food on the plane would be free, especially since our flight's at, when is it, 7? 7 a.m. Yeah, so, I mean, eating before that will will be difficult but i can manage it i was hoping i would get free a free meal on the plane but that's not the case you have to even pay for the food as well as the 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 flight Mm, yeah i'll believe it when i see it because i remember reading something years ago about how it was then it was i don't know if i should use the word illegal but it's like flights that are over a certain number of hours they give you complimentary banana bread i think (laughs) should they have like if a flight is over six hours or something like that they they are obliged to give you a proper meal Mm. yeah but either way i'm just gonna come prepped with some uh some protein oats and a bit of fruit you know just to hold me over (laughs) before we then get to the all you can eat buffet but you know (laughs) yeah girls got well i don't know if the do you think the butter chicken's worth the ten dollar price tag no i think that you should just bring yourself some some milo cereal with some protein powder too just a Mm. backup yeah, the issue is the Tupperware though, because mm. then you were on holiday in Bali with some Tupperware. Oh it's man! First world problems, I know. <laughs> what are we gonna do, man? <laughs> uh, no, we'll be just fine. But I, I think better to be safe and just bring yourself a little bit of something to eat. But I'm hoping they can give you a meal, you know. And I can always give if they do give us both a meal, then you can have two breakfasts. Oh, awesome! Yes. I can stow it away in my carry-on for later. Yeah, no, but the I... delicious plain food. I think that you should just eat it because that's just how many calories you require right now. Yeah, I agree. I've never been a big fan of uh, plain food, though. Mm. Have you? No, that's why I'm choosing not to eat it. Like, mm. I remember when we traveled to Hawaii, I brought a can of sardines and some cocoa oats on the plane because, like, plain food, man, like, to say it lightly, 
it just it's makes, very plain it's plain but like it just makes you constipated as well like <laughs> no, it doesn't yeah it does for me like that doesn't make any sense though yeah because it's just it, normal food uh, but a lot of it's just like refined and cheap and like no. yeah you obviously haven't watched the documentary on how they make plain food no i haven't <laughs> i i can safely say i have not watched that documentary but i think because my diet's obviously very nutritious and wholesome like I'm not used to eating that type of food. So mm. when I do, yeah, my guts are like, what do I do with this? I'm not going to do anything with it. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can eat it. I'm taking my oats on the plane just to be safe. And then uh, once we hit the, up the buffet, so I'll make sure to hit my vegetable intake. If they gave you like a bowl of oats, but it was plain oats. <laughs> <laughs> plain oats or plain oats? Plain with a... Plain, plain PL oats. With an A and E. So plain oats. Yes. But are they plain? No, they would have protein powder in them. Okay. <laughs> I don't know if the other, like, yeah, I would be stoked. But, like, I don't know if they're serving all of the other people on the plain protein powder oats. Mm. I don't know if that's part of the catering. Well, in first class it probably would be. But anyway, we'll stop talking about this. Anyway. <laughs> Perhaps Jack will get two servings of plain, plain oats on the plane. Mm. We'll wait and see. We'll have to give a recap. What happened in Bali? Episode, what, like 152, all the way up from episode four, back in Thailand. Yeah, please, let's not do that. <laughs> we have to get a, give a recap, man, you know? We owe it to people. They'll be curious. What happened in Bali? Did Jack get a second happy ending? Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, guys, thank you very much for tuning in to this podcast. If you did enjoy it, please remember to take a screenshot, post it to your Instagram stories, tag Jack, tag myself, tag TBD, and we will catch you in the next one when we are back post-holiday.